Blog Talk Radio. Holy shit, Status Radio is on the air. Friday night, March 16th, 2012. I'm John Quarry. This was supposed to be the New York Mets spring training report. But too much nonsense has gone down this week for me to do a straight spring training show. I'll try to do a little bit on the Mets at the end of the show. But my goodness, look at today alone. The NCAA tournament, which had about one scare the first day, came into Friday. The tournament was kind of lagging along. And then Norfolk State came and destroyed... 30% 30% of the people's brackets out there in America. They played a fantastic game against Missouri. A wonderful back-and-forth game it was. But boy, was that just the appetizer. A little bit later on, If you thought the Missouri loss was impossible, well, then the improbable happened. Duke. That's right. Duke lost to Lehigh. I'll say it again. Duke lost to Lehigh. This tournament went from boring to holy crap. And then, if you want to have some dessert, you look right now, and with 250 to go in the first half, Kansas, another number two seed, is only up six against Detroit in a game that's been tip, you know, nip and tuck so far. Michigan State was only up four at the half on LIU. They've expanded it out to 10 with 15 minutes to go in the half. Michigan State, it looks like they're starting to take control of that game. For this tournament, now you had the Syracuse game last night that you know, I'm not sure if anybody actually thought Syracuse was going to lose. But Syracuse definitely had problems for a while. But today blew that out of the water. You've had some fun games. You've had some upsets. This is what the tourney's all about. Teams like Lehigh. Teams like Norfolk State. Teams like Ohio, who beat Michigan, not Ohio State, 
Ohio, Ohio University beat Michigan. Friday night in the tournament, it's turned the brackets completely upside down. And right now, if you look at the scoreboard, there's four games going on. Three of them are at the half, and there's one and three minutes to go in a half. No, I'm sorry, two are at the half. You have Notre Dame only up two against Xavier, a 7-10 game. That seems to be a good game so far. Again, Kansas only up six against Detroit, three minutes to go. And in a game that it looks like a, a football score. Temple is only up nineteen fifteen. So that's what we're looking at right now. But the games earlier, like I said before, I mean this is really what the tournament tournament's all about. The tournament is where guys become stars. Bryce Drew, Keith Van Horn, Wally Zerbiak. You know, these guys, that they were known that they are talented, but, you know, well, what if on the big stage this happens, blah, blah, blah. And they made big plays. That's what the tournament is all about. Tyus Edney going end-to-end. That's what the tournament is all about. And tonight, you've finally seen the tournament show you what it's all about. This is why everybody loves this event. Most of us can go the entire four months of the college basketball season and not watch one minute. And all of a sudden, the middle of March comes around, and it's holy crap, when does the North Carolina game start? Holy crap. When does the Michigan State game start? Holy crap, is Norfolk State going to really beat Missouri? Now, Norfolk State, I mean, they were 25-9 and coming into the game. You know, they had a good record, but the competition was very suspect. And that game was back and forth, and Keith O'Quinn, Made his name tonight. 26 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks, and he hustled all over the place. This is what we're talking about. This is the stuff that we get behind. Now, is Norfolk State going to win on Sunday? Does it matter? Lehigh, are they going to win on Sunday? Does it matter? How about Lehigh beating Duke? Duke got in one of their modes where things started to not go their way, and then all you could see was the crybaby Dukies come out. It's no secret that I'm not a Duke fan. 
And Duke, once they were down, they were down at the half, and you started to see, you know, you started to see all the players get cranky, and then all of a sudden, about midway through the second half, you really saw the anger come out of the Duke Blue Devils. Every foul call, every touch, anytime somebody ran by them too fast, all they did was bitch and moan, and that's all they know how to do. The Duke Blue Devils are a great, great, great college basketball program. But when it's tournament time, Duke's either going to get you to the championship or they're going to go out with a big thud. And over the years, what you've seen from Duke is when it comes to tournament time, they have a glass jaw. And I don't know why that is. But once guys like Christian Leitner and Grant Hill and Bobby Hurley left, you know, the program has gotten weaker and weaker mentally. Not physically, mentally. And every single time somebody blows on a Duke player, you see 20 people, coaches and players, jumping around up in arms. I can't take it anymore. Thank you, Leon. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I don't even know what to say right now. If you want to get in the action, the number to call in is 805-830-8359. I'm open to anything. Talk about the tournament. We can talk about Peyton Manning. We can talk about St. Patrick's Day. It doesn't matter. Let me follow up on the scores right now. Kansas trying to extend. They've gone up seven against Detroit. Final two minutes of the first half. Um, LIU still down nine to Michigan State, and the other two games are still at the half. How about McCollum for Lehigh? Thirty points, six rebounds, six assists, two steals, and just like. In the Norfolk State game, it was all hustle. Everywhere you looked, McCollum was there. Everywhere you looked, O'Quinn was there. These guys just made their name. C.J. McCollum is now a household name. It may be for 15 minutes. It may be for 15 years. But that man tonight almost single-handedly beat Duke. Duke had everything going for him, size, speed, talent, and they still lost. Duke was up two at the half. Duke scored 40 points in the second half. Let's not make it like Lehigh's defense won the game for him. Lehigh's offense won the game for him. Lehigh outscoring Duke 47 to 40 in the second half. Can you believe I'm even saying that to you right now? Lehigh 
47 points in the second half? Are you kidding me right now? What a great way. What a, Just what a great way to really kickstart the tournament. And now the weekend has some juice. You have some games on Sunday, and you have some teams on Sunday that America can get behind. When you talk about little schools like Lehigh, Norfolk State, America can get behind them. America can get behind the other dogs. Let's face it, America's brackets are screwed up anyway. You might as well root for them. And boy, oh boy, even though right now it looks like Kansas has solidified things, wouldn't you love to see Detroit to give, give them a little bit of a run? Wouldn't you just love to see Detroit stay in there with Kansas and give them a scare and maybe get three two seeds out in one night? It doesn't look good right now. 32-24 Kansas, eight seconds left in the first half. Michigan State's extended their lead to 12 with 11 minutes to go in the second half. As I'm watching Mike Krzyzewski, I don't care what you say his name is, Krzyzewski, talking about how his team cried and lost. I had the sound down, and all you can see is he's just shrugging his shoulders a lot. Like, what can you do? What can you do? <laughs> Play defense. That's what you can do. You gave up 47 points to Lehigh in the second half. Now, get in your bus, go back down the road, and we'll see you in November. And thank goodness for that. Well, since there's no calls in on the tournament, I'll move on to, to the NFL free agency which has also been out of this world. Now, the biggest story thus far is where is Peyton Manning going to end up? He worked out for the Broncos today down at Duke, ironically. He, it came out today that he secretly worked out for the 49ers a couple of days ago, and he's going to work out for the Titans either tomorrow or Sunday. And what I think it's going to come down to for Peyton Manning, and obviously I have no way of getting in his head, but you hear all the stories and all the rumors how he he doesn't want to be in the same conference as Eli. Well, that's a damn shame for him because the 49ers are his best option. The 49ers are his best option by far. They have the most talent. They have a great defense. Imagine what the 49ers defense can do with Peyton Manning as their quarterback, getting them leads, getting them big leads. They can just peel back and go. Now, the Titans are an interesting team. You know, Kenny Britt at some point will come back, and that team really solidified itself toward the end of the year. If I'm the Titans, I understand why you would want to do it. I don't see why you have to do it. You drafted Jake Locker. You have Matt Hasselbeck, who played very well last year, mind you. You have cap flexibility because of that. And and listen, Jake Locker looked pretty damn good 
the limited time that he saw. Matt Hasselbeck played pretty damn good all year. I understand this is Peyton Manning we're talking about. And I understand this is the prodigal son returning to Tennessee. The problem is when Peyton Manning played in Tennessee, he never, ever, ever won anything. That's where he started to get his bad rap of never winning the big one. He could never beat Florida. He never got to a national title game. He, you know, that's where his bad reputation began before he came to the pros. And maybe that doesn't correlate now, 16 years later. Or 14 years later. But if I'm Peyton Manning, I, I stay far away from Tennessee. Now, the Broncos also present... I think the Broncos for Peyton Manning represent flexibility. They, um... Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas would be a lethal connection. As long as Demarius Thomas can stay healthy. You know, that's Peyton Manning's Marvin Harrison. That's Peyton Manning's Reggie Wayne with explosion. Now, I'm not as high on Eric Decker as other people are. But you know if he signs with the Broncos, Dallas Clark's coming with him. And you would hope they can get one more receiver to solidify that receiving court. The Broncos did lose Eddie Royal to the Chargers. But logically speaking, if you're Peyton Manning, the 49ers are your best bet. You know, the more I thought about it, I thought maybe the Cardinals would be his best bet. If the 49ers are that much into him, then he should stop all the workouts and go sign with San Francisco right now. Right now. But the NFL free agency period has been, I I would say it hasn't been as much of a whirlwind as I thought it was going to be. It's been busy. It's been strange. Somebody has got to explain to me what the Miami Dolphins are doing with their football team. The Miami Dolphins the other day traded Brandon Marshall to the Chicago Bears for for two third-round picks. That's it. Two third-round picks. Is there anybody that can explain to me why they would do that? The only logical explanation I can think of, and I don't think the bar fight, the alleged bar fight, had anything to do with it. I think Peyton Manning said, I don't know if I want to play with him. And the Dolphins, trying to placate him just to get his attention, to get him to come visit, to get him to, to love them, the, the Dolphins would have done almost anything to get Peyton Manning to side with that football team. And not only did he rule them out, he pretty much dismissed them from day one. The meeting was almost like, okay, you know, we'll we'll go meet with you. 
And then, so now the Dolphins not only don't get Peyton Manning, they trade their best receiver. They're begging Matt Flynn to listen to them. If the Dolphins don't get Matt Flynn, what in the hell are the Dolphins going to do? Are they going to have to go back to Chad Henney? Do the Dolphins maybe wait and see if Peyton signs with the Titans and maybe they go after the guy like Matt Hasselback? Maybe the Dolphins can go after somebody like Blaine Gabbert. If you let the dominoes fall and if Manning signs with Denver and if all the rumors are true that Denver's going to trade Tebow to Jacksonville, you had that young quarterback right there that maybe the Dolphins could use. The free agent quarterback list isn't great. Are they bringing in Matt Leiner? I don't think you want to put Matt Leiner on South Beach. I understand Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, blah, blah, blah. But this ain't USC, and they're damn sure not playing Notre Dame, and they're damn sure not playing Oregon State. They get the Patriots twice. They get a Jets team that should be better next year twice. And then they get to the next team I'm going to talk about, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills had one goal. Sign Mario Williams. Don't let him leave the city. If you need to kidnap him, do so. And not only did they get him signed, they signed him for six years, $100 million. $50 million guaranteed. $50 million guaranteed. coming off a serious injury. That, my friends, is a calculated risk. $50 million guaranteed. They have not done anything else. But you know one thing. The Bills defense, who cooled off toward the end of the year, got their jackpot They're switching back to the 4-3. Mario Williams is going to be a big part of what they do. And the Buffalo Bills defense, that was pretty good last year, just became tremendous by one signing. Other teams that have tried to win the offseason battle, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got Josh Freeman, their big target, and Vincent Jackson. The Buccaneers then signed Carl Nix to protect Josh Freeman so he could throw the ball to Vincent Jackson. The Buccaneers had just been throwing money all over the place. I'm actually a little surprised they haven't gotten more. They got their corner, whose name is escaping me at this point. They have an offer out there for Curtis Lofton. If they got Curtis Lofton, even though Curtis Lofton is not a playmaker, he's a 
solid middle linebacker. And he would be perfect for that team. Absolutely perfect for that team. At this point, and you don't know how the coaching is going to work out with Luciano in there, but at this point, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might be a player or two away from easily being the favorite to win the NFC South. I don't care what New Orleans has done. I don't care what the Falcons have done. The Falcons haven't done much. The Falcons re-signed John Abraham. Thank goodness. The fear in my mind about that is this is one of John Abraham's last big contracts. Will he get lazy or will he be that same motivated John Abraham that we've seen for the Atlanta Falcons? This has not been the New York Jets' John Abraham. He has been tremendous with the Falcons. He's been a stabilizing force on that defense. And hopefully next year, Ray Edwards, last year's free agent splash, can get healthy, allegedly, and do some things. The Falcons did also sign Lofa Tutupu. Tutupu, there you go. As insurance in case Lofton leaves, the workout must have been good enough that they were comfortable. I'm not hearing too much in terms of the Falcons even trying to meet Lawton's asking price. So things getting interesting in Atlanta. You have the New York Giants who are thinking about bringing back Brandon Jacobs. They just signed Martellus Bennett, which I think is a terrible signing for the Giants. But all he needs to do is get in that locker room, not be as crazy as everybody says he is, and he'll be fine. The craziest thing about this week is allegedly Jeremy Shockey wants to resign the Giants again. He says it isn't true, but if the Giants give him a contract offer, is he going to say no? The New York Jets re-signed Simone Puja. They also re-signed Brian Thomas. And as of the last I checked, they were on the verge of signing Reggie Nelson as a safety. And the Patriots have been very quiet. The Bears really upgraded themselves with the Brandon Marshall trade. The Packers, you're starting to see some of the effects with the Packers. You know, they're going to lose their backup QB. Now, you never know what can happen. Aaron Rodgers has been hurt before. How do you think Flynn got this reputation? You know, they they lose um, Scott Wells, Aaron Rodgers' tenor. You know, so things are changing in Green Bay. The Detroit Lions giving Calvin Johnson $60 million had him under contract through 2019. It was away from them to get cap space. But another intriguing contract. You know, the St. Louis Rams have made some good signings. Signing Cortland Finnegan from the Titans. making the trade with Washington. 
getting the two first-round picks in the second. And then you have the perennial off-season champions, the Washington Redskins, who went out and signed Josh Morgan, they signed Pierre Garçon, it looks like Santana Moss is going to be on his way out. And I know the Falcons re-signed Terry Douglas, and I know I'm biased in this respect, but Santana Moss would be the perfect signing for the Falcons. He would be perfect. He is still a stretch-to-field wide receiver. He would be perfect in that offense. You had a surprise with Reggie Wayne re-signing with the Colts. All thoughts were Reggie Wayne was attached to Peyton Manning. That wasn't true. Just so many, so many things going on in the NFL. Give you a college basketball update before you go. Michigan State has really pulled away now. They're up 20 against LIU. Notre Dame is up seven against Xavier with 15 and a half minutes left. South Florida and Temple are finally scoring points. 28-23 South Florida, 15 minutes to go in the game. And at the half, Kansas up 10 over Detroit. So it looks like we might, we might, be, getting, we might not be getting that third number two seed out after all. If you're listening live, I'm going 45 minutes tonight. You'll have to listen to the podcast when it comes up on site. And we'll keep going. Back to the NFL. Now, there are some teams that have to go back to their quarterbacks and say, sorry, the Arizona Cardinals. They, have to say, they said sorry to Kevin Call by giving him his roster bonus. The Seattle Seahawks. They have Tavares Jackson sitting there going, they're trying for every quarterback but me. You know, you have Alex Smith sitting out there wondering if the 49ers are going to get Peyton Manning. Which brings me back to the Dolphins. And I can't really believe I'm talking about the Dolphins this much. But this situation is very intriguing right now. You know, what are they going to do if they can't get any of the quarterbacks? It, the off season would be a total disaster if that happened. I'm assuming they would look to draft one in the first round. But it would be a total disaster. A total disaster. Um... Dallas Cowboys signed Brandon Carr to try to solidify that terrible secondary. I'm trying to go team by team for you here. New Orleans re-signed Marcus Colston, which is good. The San Diego Chargers signed Robert Mitchell. And they're saying that he could be the number one receiver out there. Very interesting. Very interesting. The Oakland Raiders cut Cameron Wimbley today also. That is a very intriguing player on the market. 
He could play DN in a 4-3. He could play O-line backer in 3-4. And based on his demands, I'm going to tell you what, that's right up the Jets' alley. If the Jets could bring Wembley in and get a pass rushing threat, that that would really help the defense a lot. But, folks, we have at least 400 that's right, 400 free agents left out there. Chris Meyer stayed with the Texans. Um, the Rams also signed Scott Wells. The Raiders actually were able to sign people. They signed Ron Bartell and guard Mike Brussel. Brady Quinn is going to visit the Kansas City Chiefs. So what? (laughs) And then you have the Cincinnati Bengals who have $40 million in cap space and haven't done any damn thing. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. Haven't done anything. But there are a ton of players still out there. Now, Jared Gaither re-signed with the Chargers. Just going to go through it with you. Uh, I'm going to go through with you the guys who signed. Carlos Rogers re-signed the 49ers. Paul Salali re-signed the Dolphins. Giants re-signed Terrell Thomas. That was a nice re-signing by them. Um, Ben Grubb signed with the Saints to replace Carl Mix. Jeremy Mincy re-signed with the the Jaguars. Laurent Robinson signed with the Jaguars. That's going to be a big blow to the Cowboys. We had a lot of guys re-signing with their teams. The Dolphins did sign Richard Marshall. Good nickelback. He'll be solid in that defense. There's the corner. The Buccaneers signed Eric Wright. Peyton Hillis left Cleveland and went to Kansas City. Um, Kyle Orton signed with the Cowboys, assuming Tony, Tony Romo was going to get hurt again. Dwight Lowry re-signed the Jags. Red Bryant re-signed with the Seahawks. Chad Henney signed with the Jaguars. And he's really going to push Blaine Gabbert. I'll tell you what. If I were Henney or Gabbert, I would hope that Peyton Manning doesn't go to Denver. Because you'll be holding the clipboard. Jared Johnson, he'll be, a, he'll be an underrated loss for the Ravens. Solid linebacker. Solid tackler, and he signed the Chargers. He'll be a big help for that Charger defense. He'll be a solid influence. But you have a ton of guys that haven't signed. Brandon Merriweather signed with the Redskins. Corey Renning signed with the Colts. LeRon McClain signed with the Chargers. 
Tedrick Griffin signed with the Redskins. I mean, the list goes on and on. Steve Hutchinson signed with the Titans. That was part of the the hints that Peyton Manning may be going there. Kevin Boss just released by the Raiders, signed with the Chiefs. And it just goes on and on and on. And what's more amazing are the people that haven't signed yet. Think about this. I'll go through these names. Dallas Clark has not signed yet. Early Doucette has not signed yet. Ted Dinn, who would be a really good pickup for the Atlanta Falcons now they they lost Eric Weems to Chicago. And somebody as good of a deal as the Bears made for Brandon Marshall. Don't they have Devin Hester? And if you have Devin Hester to return kicks, why are you signing a kick returner that is a below-average wide receiver? Devin Hester's only an average wide receiver. Eric Weems is not even that. Eric Weems is not even as good a returner as Devin Hester. He's a good returner, but he's not as good as Hester. It's very weird. But the Falcons really should make a run at Ted Ginn. Um, Trevor Scott's out there. If I were the Falcons, I'd be looking at Pat Sims. I'd be looking for any beef I can put on that line to help out the linebackers in the end. So I don't care if it's Sims. I don't, I don't care who it is. You know, Jacob Tammy's out there. O.J. Togway's out there. Jacob Hester, Jarvis Moss, David Garrard, Jason Brown, who will be looking for a new team. Now, now we're going up and up. The names are starting to get a little bigger. Trevor Laws might be another guy for the Falcons. Justin Forsett. Hmm. Cedric Benson. Willis McGahee. Not Willis McGahee. Clinton Portis. Uh, Jim Leonard, boy, I'll tell you what, if I were the Falcons, I'd be looking at Jim Leonard, too. Very solid influence in that backfield. Braylon Edwards, you heard rumors that both Edwards and Cotri may be going back to the Jets. Getting the band back together, so to speak. Um, Kevin Smith and the Lions, who had a resurgence the last few weeks of the year. Reggie Smith and the Niners. Samson Satali from the Raiders. Louis Castillo, Aaron Henderson, Green McKenzie, Abreu um, Franklin from the Saints. Another guy the Falcons could look at. The Falcons need defensive line help. They need help up the middle. They have they have athletic guys up the middle, but they don't have beef guys that can get, keep the linebackers clear. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis who has still never fumbled in an NFL game. He's worth a look. Manny Lawson, Matt Roth, Andre Carter, Alex Smith, Broderick Bunkley, London Fletcher. You know, London Fletcher is a guy that if the Falcons lost Curtis Lawson, they might want to put a loaf on the outside. And I would bring in London Fletcher for a year for sure. He's he's a leader. He's a he he's a more vocal Curtis Lofton. 
He makes more plays than Curtis Lawton. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd sign him up for a year immediately. Reggie Nelson probably going to the Jets. David Hawthorne, Mike Tolbert, William Gay, Mario Manningham is going to get a big deal somewhere. Jeff Backus. Now we're getting really up on the list. Anthony Collins from Cincinnati. Kendall Langford, who could himself also be close to the old Falcons. Tracy Porter, Stephen Tulloch, Demetrius Bell. Aaron Ross is a very intriguing. See, I'm more talking about the Falcons here more than anything. That's that's where my heart lies. I would let Aaron Ross come in and play the nickel for me. 100%. Marcus McNeil, LaRon Landry. Think about that. He's not much of a cover guy, but he'll blast people and... After he hits you, he'll also win a bodybuilding contest. Evan Mathis, Michael Bush, we talked about Curtis Lawson. Mark Anderson, who had a good year for New England. Matt Flynn. Eric Winston is out there. I know he met with Miami. Jason Jones, another guy for the Falcons to look at. Brandon Lloyd, who... All bets seem that he'll end up going to the Patriots at some point. Well, Darius Webb is a restricted free agent. That means the Ravens can match. Cameron Wimbley we talked about. And Mike Wallace, also a restricted free agent from the Steelers, and the Steelers have a little bit of cap problems, so you can get him for sure. Those are the names that are still out there in free agency. So if your team hasn't acted yet, there's plenty to go. And that was just off the top 100. I mean, there's other guys that we talked about that are still lingering out there. Now, real quick. The New York Mets... I will have a lot more about them on Sunday. But these injuries with these players has really got me frustrated again. I can't explain how, but David Wright, who was supposed to be back in two days, now may not be ready for opening day as he's getting cortisone shots and the tear in his abdomen. Need I say more? Before we end the show... I'm going to take one more look at the college basketball scores for you. Kansas is pulling away from Detroit. They're up 16 with 17 minutes to go in the second half. Notre Dame's up 7 with 11 minutes to go. South Florida expanded the lead against Temple. They're up by 12 with 11 minutes left. And Michigan State is rolling against LIU. Folks, that'll do it for me for tonight. I appreciate you listening. One week from tonight, March 23rd, we have the official clearance from iTunes. The podcast will be on there. You will be able to search it for free. Free, free, free on iTunes. Status Radio making the jump over to iTunes. So you can listen here on Blog Talk Radio, or you can listen there on iTunes. 
whichever one is good for you. You can email the show, statusradio at gmail.com. You can find it on Facebook, Status Radio page on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, John underscore Corey. I'm pretty much everywhere. Folks, have a great night. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the basketball. I'll talk to you in about 34 hours for Status Sunday, where we'll talk about the tournament a little bit more. We'll even get into the Knicks with a big win tonight against Indiana. A very good win for the team in turmoil. We didn't even get a chance to talk about them tonight. That's it for me. I'll see you Sunday for Status Sunday. This is Status Radio on Blog Talk Radio Network.